All right, if you're holding on to your coffee, set it down for a sec. Everybody give me one of these, ready? Yep, come on, come on, here, one of these, yep, now over here. There we go, good, we're all warmed up, good. Okay, so you're gonna need to put your hands down now. I need you to vote now. You can vote as many times as you want, but you're gonna need to do it by this, ready? So who wants the best God has for you this week? Perfect, good, you're good. Okay, who wants to die this week? Okay, a few, a few, good. Maybe you guys were listening, because that's what Jesus says his best is this week. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. That's Jesus explaining what he said in the verse just before it. And if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Because if you have committed to following Jesus, this is what you signed up for. A life of dying. A life of dying to yourself. A life of letting go of what makes life the way you like it so that life can be the way that he likes it. It really is amazing that anyone signs up for this. <laughs> it doesn't come from me, that's another pastor, but, but I, I, I echo him, man. It's amazing that anyone signs up for this. At first glance, reading a verse like this sort of makes you, uh, at least it makes you wonder, it makes you feel like a, like a contract that I signed, but I didn't read all the fine print of, and now it's all coming to bear. Uh, but if you've been a follower of Jesus for any length of time, You've come to realize the life he offers is far better than any life that we can make for ourselves. Not to mention the temporary struggles of dying to ourselves now are small potatoes in comparison to the eternal and forever struggles, the permanent strife of dying without trust in Jesus, of being forever separated from him. <laughs> the challenge is, while we know this intellectually, in fact, even in life, we've experienced what this is like to, to go our own ways. We've, we've seen how it hurts ourselves, how we've stubbed our own toes along the way. We've seen, maybe breaks our hearts even further, how our own sinfulness has hurt the people we love. We've seen this, we've experienced this, we know this, but yet it takes the work of the Spirit in us so that we can even begin to live this incrementally. But throughout this sermon series, Dying Well, incremental will be our endeavor. Being led and empowered by the Spirit toward ongoing growth, coming in so that we might receive encouragement and, and support and be filled together and going out to the places that we, we live, work, and play. We'll continue in this pattern of trying to die well throughout this season of Lent, these next 40-some days together. Together we'll aim to take Jesus at his word Seriously, Take it seriously each and every day. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For according to Jesus, living well means dying well, dying to ourselves. So let's pray as we endeavor into that today. Spirit, lead us. Open our minds and our hearts so that your kingdom comes and your will is done in us and through us. In Jesus' name, we pray, we agree, and we say together, 
Amen. So, how does one die well? That is the question. What does it look like to stop trying to save your life, but instead to aim to lose your life? We'll get there. We've got a few weeks. The best question for today is where does a follower of Jesus start? And it starts with time in front of a mirror. Now, again, exercising that, that arm, who likes to be in front of a mirror? Anybody? Good. I see some, some honest ones. I know my sister would give me crap uh, about how much time I spent in front of the mirror to get all the hairs in the right places and things. Anybody with me? No? All right. Whatever. <laughs> maybe, the, maybe the answer is that depends. It depends on the, the time of day. Like, hey, I just got out of bed. Like, I don't think anybody else wants to see me, and I don't want to see me either with hair all messed up and like pillow marks across my face and all that. It depends. What am I going to see in the mirror? Regardless of whether you are inclined toward it or not, I challenge you to take a hard look in a mirror today. Literally, go stand in front of a mirror. That's part of the task. After the service, after you've got ashes put up on your forehead, if you've got a phone, I actually encourage you to document this. So if you want to selfie camera it, that's fine. If your mirror is clean, you can just take a picture of you in the mirror, however you want to come at it. No need to post this one. This picture is for you. So whether you stand in the mirror and do this, or you look at a picture of yourself and do it, stand there and reflect. Look at your own image. And do it for more than a glance. Look long and hard. And in that gaze and in that pause, quietly reflect on what you see. For in doing so, we'll start well into the posture needed for dying well. See, step one of dying well, I feel like, is pictured really well in the ashes on a person's forehead. The ashes that each of you will have as you look in that mirror. Because I want you to do it today when those ashes are still on there. And as you look at the ashes on this forehead here, uh, just look at the color of them, uh, the texture of them, the, the graininess of it all. It is, is ashes made actually from palm branches from Palm Sunday from a previous year. That's how they come up with it. These ashes mixed with oil and a bit of uh, uh, scented oil to uh, add the, that to it as well, the reminder of the healing that comes through this. But, but as you notice this, notice first the color and just stay there for a moment. For step one in dying well is noticing what needs to die, what's not life-giving, What's not leading to the abundant life in Jesus? Uh, to borrow from another illustration of Jesus, uh, he talks about the father being a gardener, and he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And the father, the gardener, will cut off whatever in us is not fruitful so that it can be even more fruitful. So the question a bit in terms of what needs to die is the question of what needs to be pruned, what is in excess? What needs to be purged from my life, from my thoughts, from my actions, from my calendar, so that I can live the abundant life in Jesus? See in those ashes the opposite of life. 
the, the blackness of death, a, a, a life that is filled with despair, a reminder that the only thing ahead is destruction and hopelessness when we're left to our own inclinations. And that, that's not just in the life to come. That's already now as I'm breaking the Lord's laws, as I go against the Ten Commandments, I'm always going to run into problems and consequences and difficulties. God actually gives us those directions for our good. Because life goes better when I'm honest with other people. Life goes better when I don't steal. Life goes better when I take time to rest in God's word. Life goes better when I'm thankful to God and use his name for that regular. Life goes better when I live in those things. The first thing I must confess and must be honest with is where I've lived outside of those laws, outside of God's direction for my life. See in those ashes, ashes a reminder of the uncontestable reality that you're a mess, <laughs> that I'm a mess, and that we have no ability to fix it. I'm a mess, and I have no ability to fix it. Those are the words that I want to encourage you to say as you look into the mirror. In fact, I'm going to put them up there for you now. Let's speak them together. I'm a mess. And I have no ability to fix this on my own. If you take notes at all in the course of a sermon or you want to scribble this down on your bulletin, write it down. Because these are the words that I'm going to encourage you to say as you look in the mirror this week and in the weeks ahead. I'm a mess and I have no ability to fix this on my own. But don't let this just be words. To borrow uh, from the Lord's word through the prophet Joel, uh, some words that were spoken to God's people when they were not only tasting the bitterness of turning their own way, of going against God's commandments, of the consequences that come with that, they were also on the verge of feeling kind of the fullest consequences of that, of so consistently turning away from God's lead. And God, through the prophet Joel, said this to his people, Rend your hearts and not your garments. Uh, what's uh, meant in there is rend your hearts, not just your garments. They, it was a normal thing in those days that an extreme grief or extreme uh, feelings of strong uh, negative emotion that a person would literally like tear their clothing so that on the outside, it showed what was, they felt on the inside. It also had the secondary effect that it left a person exposed. And I hear this largely in, in Joel's here, and what I encourage you to today, he's saying, let the strong emotions come. As you look at those things in the mirror that you don't like, the, the darkness of death living within you, the, the unfruitful portions of the vine that are in your own life, as you look at them, express, say them, notice, feel the strong emotion that comes along with that. Express the grief that you have of your own failures and how you've hurt others in the past through it, but don't stop there. Rend your hearts. Expose your heart. Let what's in it be seen by you and confessed to him. Be open. Let the light of God's word come into that place. Let it be seen by you and admitted to God. Expose, admit your secret sins and your inner intentions. Admit what you're guilty of before the things that you're guilty of become how you see yourself. 
Because there's this progression that happens when I, uh, before, uh, initially it's occasional failures, and then it's occasional failures that become habits of failure, and then habits of failure become so consistent in our lives that they become a part of our identity, how I see myself so that I see that I am a failure. But that isn't who I am. I'm a child of God. I'm one that's beloved. I'm one that, like Pastor Brian talked about, with the, the words of, uh, you put the, the water of baptism on, your, on yourself, and you say in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and remember the day when God claimed you as his own. That's your identity. Your identity is rooted in your baptism. But so often our lives don't live that identity. So let your heart and your secrets and your shames have the light of God's word shine on it. Be seen for what it is. It is rebellion. It is you going your own way. It is you thinking you know better. Really, it is the same sin that Adam and Eve committed, just in new ways, in new situations. Same stuff, different shovel. Us saying, did God really say? Us convincing ourselves, is it? Is it really that bad? Us saying, you know, I know God says this, but I think I, I think I know a better way. You doing all these things is not really the you that God made you to be. They are the evil that you don't want to do, that you end up doing. So, so look at these things. In the mirror, reflect on the lifelessness of those black ashes and be honest with yourself and as specific as possible of how much of a mess you are and how little ability you have to fix it. For in looking in that mirror and seeing that first, this is the first mile marker, complete hopelessness. This is the first major milestone on the journey of dying well. In fact, it is only from a place of complete hopelessness in ourselves that we're able to hear accurately and receive fully the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection for us. It is only when I've fully given up trust in myself that I'm prepared to live like Jesus, trusting him, trusting the Father fully. So once you've looked into the mirror and seen that those ashes display death, then, then you get to notice the shape of those ashes. A cross, the, the means by which God has brought life to you, where he received the full punishment for your failures and mine. As we reflect on that reality, realize there is no guilt left for you who are baptized children of God, who have been brought to faith in him. Like, even if you wanted the guilt, Jesus is like, I already took care of it. It's gone. It's done. It's on me. It's not yours anymore. I took it. And when you were drowned in the waters of baptism, your sins were drowned with it, and Jesus carried them so that you could rise to new life again. Certainly, we deserve the full bitterness of turning from God, the fullest consequences for consistently turning away from his lead, for God is supremely saddened by our selfishness, rightly frustrated by our failures, angry with our arrogance, and we are deserving to being destroyed, being deserted by him. But he sends his son to bear the fullness of his frustration, of his anger, the punishment we deserve, and his son gets the death that we deserve. <laughs> I think it's quite uh, accurate and helpful that the cross 
is painted in ashes because it literally meant Jesus' death in our place. For Jesus, it's not figurative when he says, if anyone would take up his cross and come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For Jesus, on a long-foreseen Friday, answered yes to both questions that I asked you at the beginning of the service. Who wants the best, God's best for you this week? He's like, I do. Who wants to die this week? Not my will, but yours be done, he said. He bore the whole of the punishment in our place. On that cross, whether hearts had been rended or not, whether things had been admitted or not, whether people were ready to receive it or live in it or not, he said, I'm going to die for the sins of the entire world, for people past, present, and future. Friends, dying well is finding life in that cross, in his victory over death, over the evil one, and over the sinfulness within ourselves that he won for us in his cross and resurrection. It requires this time of reflection. It requires this dual gaze, this seeing both the darkness of the cross and the shape of the cross. Uh, Things that, as it's painted on your forehead today, and as you look in the mirror and speak those words, that, man, I'm a mess, and I have no ability to fix this on my own, that you can reflect on these two things. Your heart that's prone to wander and his heart that never wanders from selfless love for you. See both those things in that mirror. Again, to to pull from Joel, he, he speaks those words of rend your heart and not your garments because he says, for he's gracious and compassionate. He is slow to anger and abounding in love. He relents from sending calamity. God's invitation to his people then is the same invitation he continues to make to you and to me today. Let me give you the whole of what was said. This is the Lord speaking to his people. Hear the Lord speaking to you. Invitation, return to me, son and daughter. Return to me with all your heart, with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love for you, for he relents from sending calamity. So as you strive to yield to God's lead, to take what you've learned here into the week ahead, as you strive to continue to take up your cross and follow Jesus, aiming to die well, I encourage you to start in the mirror. Start in that, with that picture from the selfie camera. Start with speaking those words to yourself. I am a mess, and I have no ability to fix this on my own. And then whether you want to stand in front of the mirror and continue next or sit down in a chair or close your eyes, I encourage you to turn to prayer for three things. One, for time to reflect in these 40 days leading up to Easter. Time to reflect. Can I encourage you at least once in the week on the the message that you heard on Sunday or the one that you hear on Wednesday as you gather for worship on those two times? That you'd stop to consider your heart. What got me here? What in my heart led to life as it looks right now? And his heart, what gets me out of here? What do I know about the Lord's character that gives me hope? Pray now, today. Put it in your calendar now, today, when that time of reflection is gonna be. So pray for that and ask God to lead you in that, but also pray for courage about what you find. Courage to let the light 
of the things in you that are not what Jesus would think or do, courage to admit them. For already in speaking them, they they lose power over us. They lose direction for us. They they become less a part of our identity and more of what's out there that's not me and allows me to declare what's in here and what is me. And and for openness to the new ways of thinking and doing that, well, it may be foreign at first, lead you into the life that Jesus died to give you. For he is the one who is abounding in life, life to the fullest. The one who is abounding in love is abounding in that life, a life which he gives us as the Spirit leads us to orient our lives around his words and his ways, to pattern our lives after his. One more question for you and an opportunity to raise your hand. Who's ready? Who's ready to have more of what God can give you at the conclusion of these six weeks than what we have now? Who's ready? Who's ready? Let's pray. Father in heaven, help us. We beg you. Help us to leverage this season of Lent and this preaching series so that with greater and greater measure, your kingdom comes and your will is done in us. Thank you that you brought us to faith, that you signed us up for this, this life of dying well. And since you did, we pray that you lead us to make space to hold that dual gaze at our wandering hearts and your heart that never wanders. And Lord, give us courage and openness to find the life that you died to give us. In Jesus' name, we agree and say together, amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.